Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. Apparently, just a few days ago in Tennessee, a bear entered a small restaurant through the front door, and it didn't take long before there was a crowd of people who had their faces pressed against the glass windows to get a good shot for social media. I mean, I like photography, but if there's a bear in the vicinity and I don't have a large telephoto lens with me, I'm not going for the close-up Instagram shot. But apparently, a lot of people were. Well, not only are we having to wrestle with COVID, but there's an epidemic of insecurity as well. We live in a generation and culture that thinks that if you don't like their picture on Instagram or Facebook, that you don't like them as a person. They see that as a personal rejection of who they are. And no one wants to be rejected, even followers of Jesus. And sometimes we get caught in the trap of pleasing others. No matter what you do, how well you do it, someone is going to disapprove. We are a generation of complainers. The coffee's too cold or too hot. You don't want anybody else to sit in your seat at church. Not long ago, we had our yearly family camp, and in all the busyness of planning and prepping and cooking, we didn't have cheese to go on the top of the spaghetti. Now, it may not be a big thing in America, but in Belgium, it's a huge deal. Matter of fact, some of the people at family camp refused to eat the spaghetti because there was no cheese. And the thing that gets overlooked when we complain is that someone gets crushed. Someone took the time to make that spaghetti delicious. And the gratitude for the food went right out the window. Because when you complain, you are not thankful, are you? And this was the problem with the Israelites walking through the desert. God provided nourishment every single day, and they were thankful for the manna, but only for a short time. I kind of liken that to the spaghetti incident. Hey, this manna is good, but shouldn't there be some cheese or something else to go along with it? And every day for 40 years, it was the same thing. Manna soup, manna pancakes, fried manna, baked manna, boiled manna, manna french fries, and the people complained because they were not thankful. And God had to teach them a lesson about gratitude. Why? Because in essence, they weren't rejecting the manna, they were rejecting God, the one who provided the manna. And every day there is a chance that we will be hurt by rejection, and no one wants to be rejected. So, we try our best to please others. And if we're honest, it just doesn't take much to make us gripe and whine, does it? In Exodus 16, verses 1 and 2, you can read that after 45 days on their journey out of Egypt, that the whole congregation grumbled against Moses. Say what now? The whole congregation? Yeah, the whole congregation. Now, how does that happen? Well, it happens when one person gets bent out of shape for whatever reason, and when that discontentment gets voiced, it's like a contagion. And before you know it, everyone in your circle is infected. Things that irritate us, hurt us. And often we see hurt as rejection. And there's just something deep inside us that longs for approval. 
Now, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Thessaloniki, we were allowed of God, approved by God, to be entrusted with the gospel. But our goal is not to please men, but God. But this is a hard thing to swallow for an over-caffeinated generation who thrives on approval. About three years ago, my son Brady and I started an Instagram account. Our handle is Pintax Dudes because we have a Pintax camera. And our goal was to go out and take pictures of our city and make contacts with fellow photographers. We currently have a little more than 3,100 people who follow us. We haven't paid for advertising and the growth has all been organic, all word of mouth. And it does our hearts good when a photo gets 300, 400, or even 500 likes. And truth be told, we're disappointed when we only get 60 likes. But we're not going to cry about it, or get depressed, or feel like a failure because of it. Because there's really no reason to get upset about it. People just have different tastes in art. Everyone has a different opinion on what appeals to them. God made us different for a reason. So let me give you three truths today that hopefully will help you get out of the people-pleasing prison. Number one, even God can't please everyone. Think about it. God can't win. One person prays for rain while another prays for sunshine. It wasn't too long ago when my mom was in an advanced stage of liver cancer and my dad and my older sister were praying that God would take her quickly and comfortably so that she wouldn't suffer any more pain. But my little sister and I were praying that God would just do a miracle and heal her. If you follow soccer at all, last month all of Belgium was super hyped because their team had made it to the quarterfinals in the UEFA championship. It was Belgium versus Italy, and both Belgians and Italians alike were asking for God's help. They both wanted to win. Well, hopefully you're getting the idea that I want to communicate. You see, here's the thing. God sent his son Jesus to die in our place so that we could be forgiven of our sin and be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. But regardless of what God has done or will do, it will never be enough to please everyone. He's offering eternal life, but people don't want that. They reject that and want something different. So why is it that it's impossible for you to please everyone? Because whatever you do, it won't be enough. King Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, he says, the fear of man brings a snare. He says, it's a trap. Watch out. He says, it's dangerous to be wrapped up in what others think of you. And then he gives us the solution. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And here's the big question. Do you really need someone else's approval or validation to be happy? No, but we want it anyway, don't we? And let's be honest. We want people to be impressed with the way we look, dress, and smell. But all too often, we ignore the reality of it all. And the reality is that no matter how hard you try, you're not going to please everyone. If God can't please everyone, you're not going to either. The second truth is that what seems important now is only temporary. Now, if I were to ask you to make a list of five things that were important to you 10 years ago, what would be on that list? 
you know, I can remember what I had for breakfast this morning, sometimes, but 10 years ago, that's hard. In 2011, let's see, I, I think we were looking for another car because the side door to our van wouldn't open or close anymore. Uh, one of our kids was in junior high and the other had just started high school. My mom passed away and went to heaven that year. But beyond that, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. So maybe 10 years is too far. So let, let's move it up a little bit. How about five years ago? Well, that's kind of rough too. You see, whether it was two, three, five, 10, 15, or 30 years ago, how many of those things mean anything now? I'm waiting. What's your answer? That's right. Zero, zip, zilch, nada, nothing. You see, wise people understand this. My present choices will one day be my past choices, and they will always show up in my future. In other words, the decisions I make today that please myself or please other people will have an impact on my life tomorrow. And we usually don't make daily choices that are based on how it will affect my future. We usually base them on what our current need is. I mean, if you need a, a new microwave, you go out and buy it. If you need new shoes, you buy them, right? And we get into the habit of doing that and we forget that that's not the way that we make decisions that will affect our walk with the Lord. We make decisions based on how this will impact our future effectiveness in serving God. And when we make decisions in the now with an eye on the future, that's where we find freedom. You see, in John 8, 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free? Free from what? Well, not only the penalty of sin, but also the hunger for applause from other people. A while back, I read an article about a group of thieves that broke into a big warehouse type store in the Netherlands. And this store is similar to a super Walmart in America. And they broke in the evening before the Black Friday sale started. But here's what was different. They didn't steal anything, nothing. They didn't take any clothing or jewelry. They didn't steal any money. So what'd they do? They changed the price tags on thousands of products. An $850 camera now had a sticker price from a $25 coffee maker. The price of a sewing machine was now the price of a wallet. The price of a backyard patio set was now the price of a backpack and they switched the value of nearly everything in the store. And the next morning, the store opened as usual, the workers clocked in, customers started arriving, and it took hours before anyone really noticed and said, hey, hey, there's something wrong here. And then there was absolute chaos. Some people went home with a great bargain, others paid way too much because they weren't paying attention and it caused mass confusion because the values were reversed. And when I read about that, I thought it was funny at first, but then it dawned on me, it really doesn't surprise me because we live in a culture where almost nothing surprises us anymore. Why? Because our values have been switched. 
and what's truly important has been exchanged for something that only gives temporary pleasure. Well, here's the third thing that sets you free from the people-pleasing prison, and that is that I only have to please one person, God. You were designed and created to live for an audience of one. And Paul writes to the church in Galatia in chapter 1 and verse 10, and he says, I'm not trying to please others. I'm trying to please God. And if my goal is to please man, then I really shouldn't even bother serving Christ. And that is the choice that we have to make every single day. Am I going to live to please God or the people around me? And I get it. Life is tough. And it just doesn't get any easier the older we get, does it? And we pray, Lord, please change my circumstances. But sometimes God won't change your circumstances because he's focusing on your heart and your attitude. That's what he wants to change. Now in Acts chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, we meet a man by the name of Stephen. Jesus has already been crucified, resurrected, and gone back to heaven. And Stephen was actively engaged in obeying Jesus' command to spread the gospel through the world. But there were those who did not like that. And here's something you already know, but let me remind you of it. It doesn't matter how much good you're doing or trying to do, there will always be somebody who disapproves. There will always be some negative Nellies or Eeyores in this world who will point out all the things that you're doing wrong. And they'll tell you that your motives are wrong or that you're going about it the wrong way. So always be prepared for people to disapprove, no matter how right it is. And Stephen was feeding widows and orphans. He was doing a good thing, a needful thing, an important thing. And the Bible says he did great things and even some miracles among the people. God's hand was definitely on him. And yet a group of people got together and said, nope, you're doing it all wrong. To which I would have said, hey, you're not helping at all. So whatever you're saying, whatever criticism you have, it's falling on deaf ears, butt out. Now, Laura is far more sensitive than I am, full confession. I can really be indifferent at times to what other people are telling me. It's just super easy for me to blot out or block out what you're saying to me. And Stephen is standing before a tribunal and they want to have a talk with him about his unacceptable approaches to feeding the widows and orphans. And they couldn't stand up to his wisdom. So they backed away, not because they were retreating, but because they were gathering for a second, more difficult attack. And they incited the people against Stephen and they came up with lies and they distorted the facts and brought false witnesses. Now he's standing before the council who has the power of life and death. And they say, Stephen, what do you have to say for yourself? And he says, well, let me tell you a story. It started back with Abraham and all your ancestors kept killing the prophets that God sent to tell you about his forgiveness. Then he wanted to give you one last chance and God sent his son, Jesus, and you crucified him. But that's okay because he rose from the dead, just like he promised. And now me and a bunch of other guys are sharing this truth. Now, at this point, it would have been so cool if one of the Pharisees in the back would have slowly risen 
and just started clapping. And then the whole place would have just erupted with applause. But that's not how it ended. They end up rushing him and stoning him because they were so angry. And what happens next is amazing. This is chapter 7 of Acts, verses 55 and 56. And I'm so glad God put this in the Bible for us. Just before they start stoning him, he looks up and he sees the clouds rolling back. And he sees, he sees two things. Number one, he sees God's glory. And then he sees Jesus standing at God's right hand in approval. Now, this is an amazing moment in Scripture because there's no other time in the Bible that Jesus takes that posture when being at the right hand of God. Every time Scripture mentions Jesus after going back to heaven, he is seated at the right hand of God. And you can read it for yourself, Colossians 3, verse 1. But the question is, why is he seated? Because his work on earth is done. Why do you sit at home in the evening to relax? Because your work for the day is completed. What was the last thing Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross? It is finished. My work is done. And I believe Jesus, at this moment in time, is giving Stephen the ultimate approval with a standing ovation. Now, let's be honest. There are people in this world that we desperately seek attention from. I want my wife and my kids to be proud of me, and I want to encourage people I come in contact with to come to faith in Christ as effectively as I can. But I don't want a standing O for my wife, and I don't need one or want one for my kids. And listen, if you're in a thankless job and no one is appreciating you, Listen, all you should desire and all I should desire is when we get to heaven and we get to see Jesus face to face, we will hear, well done. You've been so faithful. Welcome home. But until then, at the end of the day, when everyone is disappointed in you, but God is applauding, you have chosen your audience well. So remember those three things. God couldn't please everyone, and you're not going to be able to either. And what seems important now is only temporary. And don't put yourself in a position where you have to choose between pleasing God or pleasing those around you. Why? Because you only have to please one person. You were designed and created to live for an audience of one. Don't get stuck or stay stuck in the people-pleasing prison. Don't switch the values. Don't swap what's important for what's immediate. Well, I hope this has been a help to you. Screenshot the episode, download it, forward it to a friend. Writing positive reviews helps people find the podcast as well. Thanks for tuning in. Lord bless. We'll see you next time.